0: welcome to the seek 24 podcast my name is john michael lucido and this podcast will feature some of our favorite podcasters recorded live at the spoke street media booth during seek 24 in st louis we hope these give you a glimpse of the energy and passion from the conference and help you in your faith journey enjoy so
1: we're going to go ahead and start this episode like we ordinarily start episodes. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Grant us grace, a merciful God, to desire ardently all that is pleasing to thee, to examine it prudently, to acknowledge it truthfully, and to accomplish it perfectly, for the praise and glory of thy name, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Our Lady seat of wisdom. Pray for, for us. St Thomas Aquinas. Pray, Pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. We'll go me you you. <laughs> hey. This is Father Gregory Pine. This is Father Joseph Anthony Kress. This is Father Patrick Briscoe, and welcome to God's Wedding. Thanks to all those who support the podcast. Yeah, there it is. Hey, yeah, we'll leave time for that. Let's go. <laughs> perfect. Thank you. If you enjoy God's Wedding, please consider recommending it to your friends. So, Father Joseph Anthony, talk to me. Father Patrick, this is the first time that all three of us have been together at SEEK. It's true. Yes. Which is not nothing. So Father Joseph Anthony, you've been to 18 SEEKs? Uh, like a thousand, I nice. think somewhere in that range, eight to a thousand okay. is where I am. And, and your level of involvement with SEEK is varied because sometimes you run the soundboard, yeah. sometimes <laughs> you minister to your students, but would have been like, okay. yeah, let's go. There's my crew. Let's go. Our- Wahoo
0: wah, UVA <laughs> students, full force this year. Love it. What, what, what for you is the uh, the Sikh experience in a nutshell? The Sikh experience in a nutshell, it's where everything kind of comes together in one place. So okay. all the different um, ministries and aspects of the Catholic life on campus uh, get distilled into one place and you get to see everybody in like rapid fire succession. So it's just the constant uh, turning the corner and seeing Uh, A face that you recognize, you know, you love that you haven't seen in a while. So it's for me as an extreme extrovert, I'm living my best life. I am on cloud nine. I'm constantly turning to see somebody I know and love. And it's just like, let's just keep this going. So uh, you have beautiful liturgies, where it's like either begins or everything is directed to in the day. And then from there, it's just a constant community of familiar faces that, you know, are often doing their thing that you get a chance to see in this moment. So, um, yeah, I love Seek. It's a week I look forward to every single year. And to start the year off, 2024, I think is where we are. Sounds right. Um, To start it off here on cloud nine in my life, Mm -hmm. it uh, only goes downhill from here. But like, I <laughs> think in a good way.
2: So we're the rest in. of 2024. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> at least my life, you know. I
1: don't know if we're supposed to share each other's birthdays while recording a live podcast episode, but, but. Father Joseph Anthony's birthday is part of the build-up to Christmas. We'll just leave it at that. So this is also part of the unpacking of his birthday Christmas gifts. So yes, I yeah. Agree. A Christmas spirituality for a Christmas people. Now, Father Patrick, your Sikh experience last year was, let's say, unique. Because you came, you came to St.
2: Louis, but you did not stay in St. Louis. I was Louis. here before everyone else was. And then and, you weren't. And then I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> and then I needed to fly to Washington to get my passport to attend Pope Benedict's funeral, which was a beautiful experience. I was so happy that I was able to pray there, to participate, to honor, and to remember Pope Benedict. But uh, I was sad to miss Sikh, that's for sure. I will say this year I did pack my passport, because I know you what never was going to happen and I wasn't going to fly back to Washington twice from St. Louis. So I'm just happy to be here, yes. be enjoying SEEK, be here for this recording, to meet so many of you, and to be having a great week. So. Yeah, so
1: this is the first time the Father Patrick has made it to day two of SEEK. So we can all celebrate that together. Um. Yeah, cheers.
0: What about you? What, what, what's your go-to like experience in Seek now that you're back at it for another round?
1: Back at it for another round. So I, I was at Seek in 2017, I was at Seek in 2020, and then last year, and then this year. In 2017, I was like, wow, there are a lot of people here. I'm going to hide in the hearing confession station. <laughs> so I heard like seven hours of confessions a day, and I was like, one person at a time. This seems good. Um, and then in 2020, my voice had been devastated by poor choices in life, um, which included like, I think I was just like, housing cough drops because I thought they make your voice better, but they just make your voice differenter. Um, and so, yeah, my, my, my like most distinct experience from that was looking at a bottle of, what is that water that you buy at the airport? Life water. Yeah, with like the cool designs on the oh, bottle. Oh yeah, yeah, With yeah. like my, um, what is the name <laughs> of the thing that I put in it? Ginger and turmeric tea bags from Trader Joe's in the hopes that it would reconstitute my voice like something listen to But it didn't work. So 2020 was a bit devastating, but then 2022 was better. Um, And then 2023 is also shaping up, although I'm on my way to losing my voice. It's 2024, by the way. Anyway, moving on. Wow. Wow. Yeah,
0: that's how calendars work. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Okay, so um, here we are midway through the journey of our lives, as Dante once wrote at the beginning of a beautiful poem. Um, and, and, and the question concerns specifically the pilgrimage character of life, but also the exile character of life. Okay. So, Father Patrick, can you set us up, just how do we frame our experience of life, as corporate people would say, managing our expectations, as Christian people would say, living our lives for heaven? How do you set up that conversation?
2: So, I went to a high school in Indiana named Bishop Dwanger High School. It's an awesome school. And at Dwanger, the motto of the school is, citizens of two worlds. So that was drilled into me early on. Citizens of Two Worlds, the motto of Bishop Dreiger High School. And so I think early on in my formation um, in high school, when I started really thinking about questions about my faith, I started to understand that there's a tension, right? That, that, that we really are caught in between things. That there's the world around us that we see and experience in so many ways every day. And then there's the spiritual realm, which we see and experience, but differently, um, in, in a different capacity. And so this tension was, uh, was kind of brought about... Um, To me by this this beautiful line of St. Paul, which is the the motto of Bishop Dwenger. So I think that striving to be excellent in both places, that striving for excellence, both in this life and in the next, is the place to begin. Because a lot of times, um, excellence, virtue, overlaps. So moral living at the human level overlaps with moral living uh, for sanctity, for holiness. And, but I think it's important to set, to set the line that they're, okay, there are two goals here, there are two spheres according to which uh, we're being assessed and we're making decisions in our lives um, and, and moving on from there. So I think that's the goal of the pilgrimage, right, mm-hmm. to remember that two things are at stake. Uh, B. Jarrett, the Dominican father, says, the secret to a happy pilgrimage is to remember always that you're a pilgrim. And he says that when you start to settle down, when you get too comfortable, that's when things get off because yeah, yeah. you, you yeah, start yeah. accumulating too many things. I mean, maybe you all don't know this, but Father Gregory owns the Summa, that's basically it. He doesn't own like any other books. Uh, I like accumulating books, I'm very <laughs> attached to them. Mm. Uh, and it's something that I, that I think of often, um, where, I, where I say to myself, like, oh, do I really need this book? Because to me, it's a sign of settling down, of accumulating things of getting too comfortable on this side and forgetting that I'm a pilgrim, that I'm moving on through this life. Uh, yeah. And that there's gonna be things beyond it. Yeah.
1: yeah, I like this idea of you know, striving for excellence while whilst not becoming attached right. to excellence. I think that when we hear criticisms leveled against us as Christians often it's because of what people will deem a wonky disposition with regard to the present. So like, you know, the Marxist critique is that religion is the opiate of the masses because religion kind of deadens our sensibilities as to what constitutes an earthbound justice. And as a result of which we put up with all kinds of oppression and violence and whatever else when truth be told, we ought to be contending. All right, so there's this sense that like, religion is bad insofar as it directs your gaze beyond the present, and as a result of which, like saps you of your strength to confront the difficulties of the present. Or there are other people who will just think of religion as a matter of delayed gratification. It's like there's no real continuity to be established between the here and now, and the life to come. It's like here, you say no to all delicious things, like especially Sour Patch Kids, heaven forfend. But then in heaven, there will be like a big trough with a Sour Patch Kid feeder, which is just like attached to the side of your face. It's like that That also is a very foolish thing to say because it's not in fact what Christians believe. So Father Joseph Anthony, I know you're yeah. very passionate about oh, yeah. the excellence of this world and our pursuit of the excellence of this world. How do you, you know, abiding by Father Patrick's counsel, seek for excellence without becoming attached to it in turn.
0: We live in a way, and I I hear so many times that people think like these two are in competition with each other. The excellence of this world and the excellence of the world to come are in competition and they have to like destroy each other in that sense. And that's not the case. It's like if we prioritize our relationship with God and we be able to prioritize our life in Jesus Christ, do we think that he does not want us to be virtuous or do we not think he wants us to be successful in a professional sphere? Does he not? Do we believe that God actually really does not want us to be excellent in a family life or in a social sphere? And the answer is absolutely he does. And that these two lives, a life in this world and let's say a life in the spiritual life are not competitive with each other. They only become competitive when they become disordered. And that's when they start to destroy or the destroy in that sense. And so I get very uh, adamant on this is like our ordering in our being pilgrims on this journey, looking to the world to come does not destroy or take away anything along the journey. It allows us to enter into it and get the fullness of it in every sense. And when our lives become perfectly ordered because we are truly body and soul uh, and in that full integration, which only happens through Jesus Christ, when that happens, then we receive the total fullness of it. We lack nothing. We, lo- we lose nothing in this life. And so I get really worked up about when people say, well, if I actually pr- prioritize my faith or I actually take it seriously, I'm going to then lose something. Or there's a competition here and it destroys the, the goodness that I have in this life forget that, you end up with so much more because it actually draws the fullness out of it. So I'm thinking of Pope Benedict XVI because of
1: uh, Father Patrick's recent mention slash attendance at his funeral. And I remember in the Urbi at Orbi address of 2016, he gave a word of encouragement and he said, young people of the world, do not be afraid. The only thing that the Lord destroys is sin. Everything else he elevates and perfects. Now mind you, we're not meant to interpret that in the sense of like a prosperity gospel like, and you get a humpback whale, and you get a humpback whale, and whatever you dream of, those good things are coming your way. Just give it time and pray a lot. Um, because the only thing ultimately that we're promised here, this life, in this life, and in the next, is Jesus. That's it. <laughs> that's all you're promised. But as it turns out, that's enough. Wait a second. It's more than enough. Because it encompasses all good things, like the things to which we are attached um, in this worldly possessions are present in God, right? Um, I suppose, yeah, here we go. There were some questions about the correspondence between Thomistic philosophy and, um, or excuse me, between Thomism and, and contemporary philosophy. I kind of shunted those aside, but I look forward to chatting with you in the context of Thomistic Institute events and in future in future things. Um, but but, but <laughs> here, here, we go. the Truffle triplex up. via. Okay, so when we, when we observe something good in the world, we can kind of trace it back to God insofar as God is the cause of it. But God is not good in the way that it is good. He is good in a supereminently good way, all right? So when we are attached to things in this world, it's good to interrogate those things and ask what it is that we love. So like this question about whether or not your dog will be in heaven, I think that's an uninteresting question, right? Because I think what is a more interesting question, in fact, is whether your, your God will be in heaven. And the answer is that he will, all right? And that's not just to be like, oh, wow, cool, awesome. Father Gregory just like getting down on puppy love. Well, I'm allergic to dogs, all right? So it's their fault, not mine. <laughs> um, but, but, but like the thing here isn't that we like love our dogs too much. My fear is that we might love the Lord too little. And the time that we get to experience here on earth is to have that love purified and grown such that it can fructify into the
2: fullness of love in life eternal. But I know, Father Patrick, you have lots of things to say of these. Yeah, C.S. Lewis talks about this in The Great Divorce. I hope you all have read this book. It's not a book about a bad marriage. That's what I thought it was when somebody recommended it to me. It's like, you want me to read a book about divorce? No, thank you. Uh, But the book is about heaven. It's about souls moving uh, along to heaven. And what Lewis does poetically is he talks about the ghosts uh, as they are, the spirits getting ready for heaven, is that heaven has to be built up in them. They have to be prepared to accept the things of heaven. So as the spirits are getting closer to heaven, they can't like put their hands in the waters of heaven because the rivers of heaven are too cold for them, they can't lift the fruits of heaven because like an apple in heaven is is too heavy for them and there's a there's uh, something to that Thanks, in needing to expand our vision of heaven so that it's not naked baby angels singing the hillbilly tellmas all day, but so that it's so that it's everything that we can that we can really that we can really uh, that we can really hang our hearts on every everything we want is going to actually be satisfied there so I think that that's part of our earthly pilgrimage right is having heaven built up in us and having the goal of heaven prominent before our eyes and having a vision of heaven that's big enough to stir that desire, to awaken that desire, and is to want to live for heaven, to live as on the way to heaven. Okay,
1: before passing on to our existential crises along the way, let's think a little bit about some of the kind of daily obstacles or hindrances to this pilgrimage, which might otherwise trip us up or delay us in our attainment to the life of heaven. Because as St. Catherine of Siena says, all the way to heaven is heaven, all right? So it's not a matter of delayed gratification. We are not presently being drugged by the opiate of the masses. We are being given the divine life with which to cooperate, You know, to which we can consent so that that divine life can be you know, at work in us in the here and now. But in order to unleash that divine life in our agency and through our witness and testimony, it means contending with sin and vice and the various other obstacles which confront us. So, Father Joseph Anthony, in your conversations with your
0: students, what are things that you touch on first? Uh, one of the things I touch on is making sure that we always have our, there are, there are certain elements in our day that are actually decided not by us. You know, with my students, they, their course schedule is not necessarily decided by them. Yeah. Whether or not economics or microeconomics is an 8 a.m. course or a 3 p.m. course is not their decision. It's given to them. And so there are many times where there's obligations in our life that are not up to our decisions. It's according to our state of life, is forced upon us. And that's okay. That happens. But outside of that, the first priority we need to make is putting in our dedicated time for God. So where is your prayer in that day, given your state of life and the obligations that are kind of imposed upon you? With those things that you are responsible for, then your priority first step has to be God. And so insert your prayer life into that first. And then from there, this is not like keeping God in a box and saying, oh, I checked off my prayer time, so I did the God thing. Now I can go off in my day and do whatever the hell I want, right? This is about then drawing from that moment and inviting God into the rest of it. We talked about how this is these two worlds. Well, this is where they converge is our invitation to the Lord, into the every other aspect of our day. So as we start our project or as we start writing the paper, you know, it's that invitation, Lord, be present to me here. Send your Holy Spirit and guide me and give me your wisdom as I do this work. As you are in a social environment and hanging out with friends, Lord, be present to me in this friendship. And if if you are not in the center of this friendship, then I need to get out of there. Like, let it be known. So as we go about this day, as we go about our daily life, in order to not slip into the struggles and the pitfalls where it becomes like bifurcated, these are my pious things and these are the non-pious things and they never c- cross each other, is to make sure that we have our dedicated time for prayer and encountering God and then repeatedly inviting him to be present in all the other aspects of a life. So we're not compartmentalizing or keeping a dualistic life in any sense.
1: Okay, so it sounds to me like Father Joseph Anthony is describing the habit of recollection um, in its various expressions throughout the course of our day. And I think that's a lot of, I mean, a lot of us here have questions about recollection because we hear it said, you know, pray always. And it's not just said, it's commanded. So how are we supposed to fulfill the precept of praying always when we sleep and when we eat and when we forget? and when we sin and slip into vice. So I think this idea of recognizing in each of the daily activities or in each of the daily encounters an opportunity for recollection, an opportunity for intimacy with God is an essential feature of this yeah. pilgrimage. It's an essential feature of this journey. Insofar so far as, you know, we quoted St. Catherine of Siena, but turning now to C.S. Lewis again, C.S. Lewis says, you know, depending upon where, you're, where you end up, you'll be able to look back at your life and recognize it. So for those who end in hell, They'll look back at their life and they'll recognize it to have been hell on earth and for those who end in heaven they'll look back at their life and they'll recognize it to have been heaven on earth which for us is on the one hand inspiring but also devastating because when we interrogate our experience we have to ask ourselves is this heaven on earth yeah either yeah. do things have to change in order for it to be aptly described as heaven on earth or have have i failed to notice the ways in which it is heaven on earth because i'm looking towards something further or something better or something other. You know, That's something that we have to do serious work with. So, Father Patrick, your thoughts on that score?
2: One thing that I think really helps recollection is building up the, mm, a sort of comfortability with delayed gratification. Right? I think we, we all of us, we expect, if we invest in something, to see results very quickly. Uh, I went to spend Christmas this year with Father Jacob Bertrand, who's also on the podcast with us. And Father Jacob Bertrand lives in, at Dartmouth College in Hanover, New Hampshire which is near nowhere. And so to get there, I had to fly from Boston on this little eight person airplane. Father Gregory's done this. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, so like one of these little tiny Cessnas where I'm like right behind the pilot. Like, you know, I felt like telling him, hey buddy, if anything goes wrong, I'll take over. I think I got this. I was that far up front, you know, I'm looking over, I'm seeing the gauges go. One of them started flashing red at one point, And I thought, wow, I hope that, I hope that that uh, is not a bad thing. So anyway, when I was sitting there in this little teeny tiny plane, when you're riding one of these planes, it feels like you are going nowhere. They go so slowly. (laughs) And it's just this hour flight from Boston in this little tiny airplane just waiting. Oh, it was brutal. And so that's the most recent experience I've had in my life where I just wanted, I wanted the payout right away. I wanted to feel like we were going someplace in this little itty bitty airplane. And I think the life of recollection Uh, has the same temptation. We want to feel like we're going someplace, that when we've entered into our prayer, we've seen results immediately. We want to know that today is better than yesterday, that yesterday is better than the day before, and we're constantly looking for some kind of sign of our progress in the spiritual life. And the spiritual life is just more complicated than that. So we have to grow accustomed to being able to pursue a life of recollection without expecting a kind of instant gratification, without expecting instant results from it. That's one of the things that helps our heart to yeah. continue to look forward to what's going to come. Talk to us about the, the asceticism of the mind and heart, distancing
1: ourselves from you know, feedback or taking our own spiritual temperature, getting overly involved in these types of measurements.
0: Well, that, that whole concept of the delayed gratification is leaning into our primary disposition of receiving. The reality is we don't make this happen, right? It's God's work within us. And so when we're talking about this integration of life and the fact that we are on a pilgrimage, and yes, we are active in that, but we don't make it happen, right? We receive the graces of God. And so part of the struggles with the delayed gratification is the reality is that I can't force this. No matter how bad I want to get there earlier, no matter how bad I think I should be holier or more virtuous, or no matter how bad I want to overcome this habitual sin or temptation in my life, no matter how bad I want this, I actually have to surrender myself to the work of the Lord within me. And that's like one of the biggest struggles is this reality that like, even with the delayed gratification, it is the constant like kind of banging your head up against a wall is like, I can't accomplish what I desire. And I have to surrender myself to allow the Lord to work within me in the way that he desires. And I think like for my own personal life, that's probably the struggle is I know that maybe... Maybe me and the Lord want the same thing for me. I just want it my way, you know? And I think he probably wants it done a little differently. And I have to allow myself to let him do that work in me. And yeah, it hurts. And yeah, it's purifying. And But that's where that delayed gratification comes into play. That's where the surrender to say, Lord, I will actually follow you, you and your desire for me. And yeah, I'm going to bash my head up against the wall a little bit. But it's still going to be me turning to you and and taking that disposition of receiving him first before actively participating in that following. All right. Before turning to our
1: existential crises, which are many and varied, um, let's, think, let's think of a couple of pilgrim habits for a pilgrim people. I'm getting like a little bit of feedback from people's eyes. And they're like, could you say something practical? Because I like the way you talk theology, but I'd also like to change my life. And I don't know how this translates to my experience. So could you begin some of the work of that for me? Okay. So our answer is yes. Um, <clears throat> so recollection is one thing. Uh, you might kind of uh,
0: habitualize. That's not a word. Habituate,
2: habituate, habituate. Yeah, bingo, hab- 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 habituation.
0: Yeah, think. so you might. <laughs> oh, we are <laughs> never afraid of making up new words. By the way, yeah, this exactly. is like on par with us. Habitualize, habituate, habituate. It's okay, so you're going
1: to want to habituate certain moments in which you turn your gaze to God, uh, not because you're trying to toll ten Saint Therese sacrifice beads per day of recollection, but because to the degree and extent that you don't turn your gaze to God, you just don't exist, right? So God's gaze is upon you, but until such time as your gaze is upon him, you're not living in and out of that relationship. You are habitually upheld by him, but to abide in that actually is wonderful indeed, right? So you might you might have a particular route that you take to your next class. You might kind of mark a particular monument along that path as a monument that signals in your mind that I will think of Jesus, not because it's a task to accomplish, or not because again, it's something to check off your list of many items which need be done today, but because it's an opportunity to kind of warm yourself in the rays of the sun. So that'd be one. Father Patrick, do you have
2: one or two? Uh, as far as markers? Yeah, or yeah. like
1: just little, little pilgrim habits yeah, for a pilgrim
2: people. Uh, lock screen. Put the Jesus on your home screen so that when you look at your phone, you look at him. Uh, that's a that's a big one that uh, that really helped change my prayer. Because we didn't have smartphones before we entered the order, they didn't release. Well, you, Father Joseph Anthony had. I did, yeah, I did. Because they not just come out. <laughs> I totally, the I was kind on of cutting of that, of that sucker. Uh, so anyway, so as a priest, that was something that I, that I realized like, oh, I should, I should have a, a holy image, a sacred image that helps me pray whenever I look at my phone. Boom, Father Joseph Anthony, one or two? Um,
0: pick a phrase. Okay. A short little phrase that can be ready on your lips like uh, the refrain of a song that you always come back to. Like, Jesus, I trust in you. Sweet, sweet baby Jesus, I love you. That's Mm -hmm. the one I've chosen. So anytime like that, you just kind of like get way down with the anxieties of life, you just like kind of take that deep breath and you just, sweet baby Jesus, I love you. And just keep repeating that. And to remind yourself that like, yes, even from my worst of moments, um, I can turn always back to this phrase. And just the more you repeat that, the more it becomes like the air you breathe. So pick a phrase that is short, but you can have like repeating on your lips like a broken record. Boom!
1: Yeah, like as we said, Father Joseph Anthony has a Christmas spirituality. Yeah, so I like he worships him. the Most High God, especially in infant form.
0: Yeah, he's um, a baby.
1: Baby. My, my go-to is Jesus love because you can <laughs> refer to Jesus both as your love and ask Him for the love which you lack in whatever particular difficulty. Okay, let's turn then to the existential crisis. I don't get to share mine. Oh, no. yeah, Father Patrick. Okay. Right. Jesus, Mary, save souls. Oh, nice. Jesus. Okay, okay. Mary, beautiful. Yeah. Um, my alternate one is Jesus, you are snuggly. Um,
0: <laughs> That's what we're all aiming for. At the end of our pilgrimage is just big snuggle fest in the Father's arms. Right? I,
1: I don't want Pat. Yeah,
0: exactly. St. Faustina so talks
1: about it. Divine mercy, here we go.
0: And okay, so
1: let's talk about our existential crises, not necessarily the way we make manifest the various existential crises through which we are passing at present. But I suspect that for many of you, uh, you've probably had a conversion recently or a reversion recently, and you're jazzed, you're pumped. You're thinking like, this is great, and I can't imagine my life apart from this. But you're also probably aware of the fragility of your own humanity because you know that recently, you were doing something else. And And in many cases, that something else was something really else. (laughs) Right, So who's to say that your fragile human nature, which was present to you then, is not still present to you now, and you will not prove yourself fickle or backsliding? Okay, so existential crises might come. Guess what? That is not the most important thing about you or about your reality. But there are other things which are important, which can speak to you and speak to your reality. So, Father Joseph Anthony, as we prepare for, as we buckle up for potential existential crises, whether of a moral nature or of other sorts— What do you think are ways in which we can carry out or make present this kind of uh, exile-slash-pilgrimage spirituality?
0: Um, I think one of the things that really is maybe a poison, yeah, you know, whatever I say, is poison, (coughs) um, is thinking that there is one decision and it's like, That old school um, Saturday morning TV infomercial with the rotisserie chicken where you just set it and forget it, Uh, right? I made this one decision. I had my one conversion. (laughs) I'm going to set it and forgot it. Like, shut up. It's every single day is a conversion. (laughs) And so we have to get to that point where every day I wake up and make that decision to commit my life to Christ. And this next day, my next 24 hours, I will follow him. And yes, we will have moments in our life where we struggle, where we begin to doubt. And you see this with the disciples throughout all of scriptures, they continually question and doubt and struggle. As as they are actively walking with Jesus, they are still struggling, but it's the repeated decision to say, I will make one more step with him. And so as we are not shocked by our frailty, as we are not surprised when it comes, It becomes catastrophic when we think it's a set it and forget it mentality. But when we are able to recognize that I have another decision to make and I will make this decision for the Lord, and even if it's a half step, even if it's just to stand here and take a deep breath and say, Jesus, I will look at you because I can't move right now. I can't consider or think of going forward, but I'll stand and turn my eyes to you. Every single day is another opportunity to have another conversion, and commit our lives to Jesus each and every day. So when we hit those moments of struggle, of doubt, of crisis, it's never catastrophic when we continually make another decision for Jesus each and every day. But if we think we did it once and then it's done and it's fait complete from there, then we will get destroyed with our own frailty.
1: Um, Father Patrick, you may have noticed that Father Joseph Anthony just used two French words. Um, I think he was appealing to you and your Francophone, well-cultured, you know, appreciation for the good things in life. Uh, but speaking of Wait, French... Wait, did
0: I use those words correctly because I don't know you the French? You crushed
1: it. Yeah, you, yes. you, you actually, you delivered the goods. And, uh, <laughs> I, felt, I felt seen. So thank you for that. Um, but Father Patrick, you um, are a great appreciator of French spirituality. And in French spirituality, a lot of these kind of questions come up often enough under the aspect of, like, abandonment or under the aspect of, like, consent. So... I don't know, can you, can you give us some resources from those traditions as ways to yeah, help? Yeah, as
2: Father Joseph Anthony was talking about decision paralysis, the thing that I was thinking of that a lot of people face that causes, you know, something really existential is simply feeling nothing in prayer mm. yeah. and staring, you know, basically at the void when you're in prayer and just wondering what it, what it is that I'm doing here. Uh, I feel like that's very very French kind of nihilism. Yeah, yeah. Is there anything Henri Le Chatenois? You know. <laughs> yeah. I think that, uh, I think that this, is, this is very common, especially after you've been given the grace um, of consolation where you've had a particular experience in prayer that's very beautiful, something that's very moving. If you've experienced a big conversion and something has really changed in your life, and then the next day you wake up and you go to the holy hour and you can't do anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because you feel nothing. So you just sit there, uh, which is the right thing to do, by the way, <laughs> just sitting there. Because the, the, re- the way you respond to that kind of existential crisis is by insisting on continuing to seek the presence of God, and um, Father Gregory used throughout the word abandonment, but continuing to surrender to the Lord and to say, even in that moment, Lord, if this is what you want from me, I give it to you. I will sit here and just sit here and sit here with you. And I think that, that that's, the, that's the common experience and that's the way to respond to it. Yeah. Um, by by promising the Lord that he can have even that moment, uh, that moment of difficulty, that moment of doubt, that moment of trial, and give it back over to him. I think, you know, the other aspect is when you're saying that kind of surrender and abandonment
0: aspect, but, like, the humility to say, like, Lord, this is what I got. It's a mess. Like, it's not what I want it to be. And as I sit in that prayer and say, like, I wish I could be better. I wish I could be more attentive. But to honestly this is all I have right now. Like I'm sure it was on some like weird coffee mug and target or something, but it's like that aspect is like the only thing the Lord wants is all that you have. And sometimes it's not as much as we want it to be, but that's what we have to offer. And he's never going to be upset when we give him that. Um, I think there's that mentality is like, I should do better before I can present that to him. Then we're trying to be our own savior. And there's a real humility to say like, Lord, I'm real broken and I can't, I can't even pray right now. Like I've had better prayer in the past and I hope and pray that I'll have better prayer in the future. But right now it's a bag of tricks and this is what I got to give. And I still give it to you though. I still give what I have to you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Unrelated thought and then a related thought. The unrelated thought is we've tried to have a kind of motto for planning a couple of times. <laughs> so at the outset, it was contemplative preachers, contemporary age, but I could never get the order right slash remember the words. So evidently that wasn't too terribly helpful. So we just rebranded conversation for conversion, which I think actually works. But I was thinking that maybe for our next rebrand, we could do whimsy in the veil of tears. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I was, was going to
1: say something like pancakes at the diner. <laughs> Yeah, something entirely, you know, obscure and otherwise incomprehensible, just like a God's Blending episode. Um, just kidding, lol. Um, but, but I was thinking specifically about, like, your recommendation as it concerns prayer. Uh, that's all. Yeah, like you said, that's all that we can do. There was an instance, you know, not too terribly long ago where a thing happened in my life which made me very sad and very angry. And as many of you know, sadness and anger are consuming emotions. Um, so they, like, start here, and then they, like, end up here. You know, and then they feel like kind of an imprisoning blanket, which both weighs very much and also is wet and warm. And you're like, fascinating. How do I find myself in this warm, wet, imprisoning blanket? Um, But the thing is, like, we're, we're not often enough, you know, we can't do much about it. We're not competent really to address it head on or directly. But what we can do is we can sit down at the beginning of our 20 minutes of prayer, our 30 minutes of prayer, have any many minutes of prayer that you dedicate each day. and and I would recommend that it be at least 20 and that it be every day. Uh, And you just say like, Lord, I'm sad and I'm angry. Your thoughts. Right, and there might be 59 minutes that ensue where you hear very little in the way of his thoughts, at least audibly or intelligibly. But you might come to discover that over the course of the next several months, some things are changed in your heart, some things are released, you know, especially in your will and your choice, which make it possible for you to forgive more wholeheartedly and would make it possible for you to heal not just at the level of choice, but at the level of, you know, your mind and your emotions and even your body, you know, because you can carry those things in your body. So as concerns, yeah, existential crises. These are some of the ways in which we can bring it to the Lord in prayer. I don't know if you have any
2: final thoughts, tips and tricks. Yeah, I recommend walking all the way back in those moments. Uh, Let's take hypothetically a sort of graying friar that is talking right now on a podcast episode and just imagine such person exists. Uh, It has been helpful for him sometimes theoretically uh, to go all the way back to whether or not God is and just start from the bottom up and recraft the worldview right to just say lord i know that you are and i know that without you nothing would be and i know that everything i see comes from you and just work from the work from the bottom up and recommit yourself uh to the most fundamental things
1: yeah I i was talking to somebody recently about existential crises and I made a distinction between what I call interesting questions and uninteresting questions. Um, like, a, like an uninteresting question would be like when you're in the midst of an existential crisis and you feel yourself spinning out of control and you feel yourself kind of losing your grip on what is and what isn't and then you start basing your questions off that. I'd say uninteresting on account of the fact that they're, they're unanswerable because they come from a disposition of fear Or they come from a disposition of terror or whatever else it is. Uh, But, like, questions like that, like, God, who are you? And who am I before you? I think those are interesting questions. And it's better to pose those questions, even cognizant of the fact that you might not hear anything back, because that type of dialogue is saving. Because that type of dialogue engages you with, yeah, with God and with His grace. Um, All right, the last thing we were asked to uh, comment upon. A mystery of the Most Holy Rosary, specifically a joyful mystery. So we happened upon the visitation uh, when Our Lady receives the revelation brought to her by the angel Gabriel and then goes in haste to the hill country to be of service to her cousin Elizabeth,
2: who is with child and advanced in her pregnancy. I'm glad he got to the second part because I thought you were wrong at first. <laughs> like, <laughs> nah, no, bro, that's the first one. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, you got to the, you got to the visitation eventually. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, <laughs> it's it, we, we get there eventually. Hello, yeah, so if you list all of the
1: joyful mysteries, eventually you get to the second one. And, Hopefully. But I'm, I'm Hopefully. thinking about this specifically in the setting of our pilgrimage, right, uh, and in light of these existential crises and the role that kind of God-bearers play in our life, which is to say our friends who not, not only like testify to us but accompany us. So, Father Joseph Anthony, Mm -hmm. a word, your thoughts.
0: Um, I love the visitation because um, it's mediated by the voice. Um, And so you hear, um, you know, uh, Elizabeth say, like, upon hearing your voice, like, the child leapt in my womb. And the joy of the proclamation of the arrival of the Savior. And I think, for me, it, it shows the beauty of our ability to proclaim the presence of the Lord and to not be afraid of that and that to be able to enter into the joy of that and to see that and to share that with each other. So here, the the two major kind of uh, figures in the visitation are the Lord Jesus and John the Baptist, but it's others who are giving voice to their joy and their actions. We hear about John the Baptist leaping because his mother speaks about that. You know, we hear about Mary's... um, Mary's Magnificat in, in those moments, because she gives voice to the reality of the child in her womb. And so I, I, I look to those two women in that, in that mystery and how they speak about the two primary individuals in that scene, which are John the Baptist and Jesus in that, in that sense, and to not be afraid of imitating that and to speak to the presence of the Savior as he approaches us and to speak to the joy that we see in others as they encounter the Lord through somebody else's proclamation. So um, I think there's a real beauty and priority to being able to speak the presence of the Lord in his approach, and also to give witness and to speak about the joy we see in others as they
2: encounter the Savior's approach. In meditating on the mystery of the incarnation, St. Thomas Aquinas says that as Bread is baked in an oven, so the word was baked in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And Father Isaac Morales pointed this passage out to me, and he said, Look, St. Thomas says Jesus is the bun in Mary's oven. (laughs) (laughs) I think that there's something something important about that, though, because in the mystery of the visitation, the the Virgin Mary carries Christ with her. One of our other topics was the Eucharistic theology of St. Thomas Aquinas. So here's a nice little shout-out to that proposal. Uh, Saint Thomas, as he's meditating on all the names of the Eucharist, he, he focuses um, in particular on the idea of viaticum, which we know is the, the special word we use for our last communion. And in Latin, viaticum just means with you on the way. And in the visitation, we see Christ going with the Virgin Mary, that she is accompanied most importantly by him on this journey, uh, which matters because this is the first journey of the proclamation of the gospel. And it's like our pilgrim journey. Uh, this is our pilgrim journey to proclaim the gospel in the mode of the Virgin Mary, the first disciple. Uh, I, think that, I think that recalling that Christ is always with us, that we're never alone, that he is, he is the one who is journeying with us is key to being a happy pilgrim and key to understanding the mystery of the visitation. Uh, we'll say it often on the podcast that we go to
1: God together. And that's not just incidental to the Christian journey, it's essential to it. Because when you think about it, like, what is the goal? What is the heaven that lies in store? It's the communion of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if we are to attain to communion, and if this, not is, if this life is not a mere matter of delayed gratification, then it is in and through communion that we attain to communion. And you can think of that in light of, you know, the friendship which our Lord Jesus Christ extends to us, the church in which we encounter his sacraments but also the various people with whom we make this pilgrimage. And it's not just because we're too weak to do it alone. It's not because we're too wounded to endeavor it you know, by our own strength. It's because God intends that we go to God together. That's part of the plan. Yeah. It's not a concession, right? It's not just a kind of humble admission which has been forced out of us. It's, it's the plan. It's the plan. So I think on the one hand, we prioritize those relationships Uh, in which we feel kind of emboldened and encouraged to go to God together. But also we have to create space in our life for those relationships, right? Like we need to be able to lay claim to the other and have the other lay claim to us. We can't be afraid of the type of commitment which would make us ordinarily want to ghost an individual because I just don't know if I can shoulder it at this point in my mental health journey. You know, it's just like we have to be honest before the question of genuine engagement because either it's there or it's not. And if it's not, the chances are that we forget who we are and what our name is, you know, before the yawning void, which is our lack of genuine commitments.
0: Well, this, this brings up, like, you were asking the question, what do we do with an ex- existential crisis? And asking those kind of simple questions before God. But I also think asking those simple questions before our friends. Like, no. part of the existential crisis is our isolation when we start to retreat and become totally isolated and cut our relationships off because we are meant to be in communion with each other. We're meant to go to heaven together. And sometimes we get so distracted and bogged down by the anxieties of this life that we forget who we are. And so to not be afraid to have a good, trusted friend who we would ask like whatever true life advice, like, should I take this job and move across the country? Like, I trust your advice. But to ask those very simple questions of them as well, it's like, what's good about them? <laughs> like, help remind me about who I am. You see me because I can't see myself, right? I can't see my own face. I can't see my own eyes unless I have a mirror. So I need you to reflect to me who I am because I'm struggling right now. And there's that beauty of what honest and real friendships can speak truth when I can't see it myself. And that's, that snaps us out of that existential crisis of isolation where I have to feel that burden. So it's not the, like, speaking as a pure pure extrovert, loving this environment because there's so many people around and I love it. But like, even for the introverts to be unafraid to have that one good friend, to be in communion with each other and to strike out of that isolation, that uh, existential crisis.
1: Boom. Father Patrick, final thoughts apropos of this theme, going to God together and relying upon our friends, not simply to coax the good out of us, but ultimately to reflect back to us the vocation which lies in store.
2: I think it belongs to a friend to challenge a friend as well. Yeah. And to push each mm-hmm. other. Mm-hmm. Uh, believe it or not, we do that a lot on the podcast. A lot of chatter huh? amongst the five God's huh? planning Friars. And I think that that is an important part of friendship. Just saying, where where were you? I needed you to show up. Uh, what happened here? Yeah. Um, to, to challenge each other, to encourage each other, but to challenge each other uh, as, we continue, as we continue to strive for virtue and for upright living. I think that's key. And we need to make space for that so that when someone does challenge us, we receive it in friendship, uh, to, re- to receive that challenge well.
1: Yeah, and I think that as we accompany each other through the various stages in our lives, of our journeys, like you don't always have to come before your friend as a project. You don't have to come before your friend as someone to be fixed. You can just be with your friend and trust and rely that God in his providence is orchestrating all things strongly and sweetly so that you play the role in this person's life that you're meant to play. And it's going to be dictated in part by affinity, by love. Because if you make of everyone a project, then you're a social worker. You're not a friend, okay? Which is fine. Social workers are great, but there's a place for that, and you get paid for it for a reason. You don't get paid for friendship because you're meant to be there by virtue of the fact that you love the individual. Your friend wants to see you loving to try, Your friend doesn't want to see you so much trying to love, all right? Now, mind you, we're going to have to put in effort, but that effort has to be fueled by a recognition that this other has been given to me by God for some mysterious purpose, which is not yet clear to either of us, but which we trust is real. So we come before each other in friendship with that disposition, open to what the Lord has in store, because we can believe, we can trust that it is good. (laughs) All right, folks, I think we're coming to the end. So any final uh, announcements, anything that you want to tell the, the UVA students while you have a captive audience?
0: Oh, my gosh. Yeah, where's my UVA? There we go. Love you guys. Wahoo wah. Um, yeah, we're off to a, a good 24 right here. 2024. Yeah, there we are. Big things in store. Go Hoos. Go Hoos. Brother Patrick, final thoughts?
1: <clears throat> God bless. Go Friars. <laughs> 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 yeah, PC College. <laughs> Uh, And we got a couple of events that may or may not be coming your way. So Father Jacob Burchard and I are going to be in Bismarck, North Dakota at the University of Mary on the 26th of January. More details from your chaplain, Father Dominic Bout. We are going to be in Lincoln, Nebraska on the 16th of March. So, I don't yet have a venue and I don't yet have a schedule, but it's supposed to happen <laughs> like yesterday. I have a plane ticket. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: Wait, you have that? I don't have that. That's all, nor do
1: I. So, we might see you there. And then uh, Father Bonaventure and I are going to be in Columbus, Ohio on the 6th of April. So, some cool events that are coming your way should you so choose to avail yourself of those opportunities. All right. Let's go. That's all we got. Know of our prayers for you. Please pray for us, and we'll look forward to chatting with you next time on God's Plan.
0: We hope you enjoyed this podcast. For more info on the SEEK conference, visit seek.focus.org. This episode of the SEEK 24 podcast was produced by Spoke Street. For more great podcasts, visit SpokeStreet.com.